From the Over the Top Studios in Nederland, Colorado, you're listening to Ram Radio, presented by Over the Top Cycling. I'm George Thomas, and we are visiting with Leah Goldstein, part two of our interview with our 2021 solo champion. Leah, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Well, thanks for having me. Now, Leah, how can you find time to be on my little podcast when you are, like, booked four days a week for the next foreseeable future? <laughs> Before anyone else, though, just so you know, you're my top priority. If I don't care who I'm, I don't care if I'm an Oprah. I'll tell her she can wait. I got to go on Georgia podcast first, so <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> you are too kind. <laughs> you're welcome, <laughs> Leah. I really want to focus on this year's race, but let's ask the question to begin with that I'm sure everybody's <laughs> wondering: Are you coming back in 2022? Well, I'm not going to come back in 2022. So the plan is um, I'll continue training and racing. I'll probably do um, more of the shorter races, like Race Cross Oregon. I'm going to do Raw, uh, probably Lee Silver State. Just do, you know, a little bit of a break from that long endurance kind of training because everyone knows the toll it takes, you know, to prep for them. And I think I just need one break um, mentally and probably physically, and then I'll come back in 2023. And... I know a lot of that is based off of you really want to be faster than 11 days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm faster than 11 days. I mean, look, 11 days is great, but it's not woohoo. It's not something to write about too much, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been, how much I've trained and prepped, and I think just having the experiences I've had in the past, uh, it was, you know, it was a disappointing finish, but. You know, under the conditions, I have to, you know, be grateful that I survived it and I actually made it to the finish line because only three of us did make it. So, but, you know, with Ram, you never know what you're going to get. So we have to be prepared for everything. So I'm hoping in 2023 the conditions will be a little bit more favorable. We hope. <laughs> now we all cross my face. But like I said, you never know anything. I mean, 2019, look how much rain we had. I mean, yeah. like, as I said earlier, like we've had, I had like hail hit my head so hard and side of my cheek that I bruised a bit, right? And it was cold. Um, and we weren't prepared for that because in 20, like 2011 when I did it, the conditions were perfect. I had one day of rain, pretty, you know, mild weather. So, you know, you never know. It's just a different beast every time. So, Leah, you've done solo ram three times now? Yes, this time will be my third go, yeah. So, think back to 2011. I just saw a photo of you and I at the start. It was actually really cool. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow. Uh, But what did you learn that year? Kind of what were your expectations going into ram in 2011? And how have they changed over the last 10 years? Well, I mean, when you go into RAM, you're completely clueless. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Not only myself, but none of my crew members had any idea. They've never done anything remotely like that, right? So, I mean, our biggest challenge the first time, um, as you know, on day three, I got Shermer's neck. And that wasn't expected because in my training, I never experienced anything like that, right? So it was basically survival, right? You know, finding these apparatuses to try and get my head up. So that was a big, you know, learning lesson, the biggest one, of course, and also to learn you know, how much you can um, function with, with very little sleep. And because I had no idea, we really, I mean, I went down the first night not being able to sleep and then realized, okay, oh my God, you don't go down the first night, you go the second day. So, you know, the first go, it's, it's just a total, you're just a total learning experience. 
Um, problem was, after my first go, I took a long time. I took eight years off the bike because I kind of retired because I was a pro racer 12 years prior to transitioning. So I just needed that break. And coming back that long after so many years, um, you forget. So I learned a lot in 2019. Um, and I learned even more this time as well, right? So every time you go into RAM, you're always learning, you're getting smarter, and so is your crew. And speaking of that, we're going to get a little out of order here, but what was going through your mind as you were coming to the finish? Because, I mean, I've done it a number of times, and every time it's like, oh my gosh, if I'd only done this different or that different, I could have been so much faster. Uh, <laughs> if only the weather would have been nicer. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> better, right? You know, I mean, there's always something you you want to like. Honestly, I felt like I did the best I could for those conditions, right? You know, like every time I tried to push hard, I felt like I was overheating. So, like I said, it's really hard to explain. It was so unusual the, this race this year, how it panned out, right? I mean, even talking to the other two um, gentlemen who finished the race behind me, they say the same thing. It was more a, a race of survival, of just you know getting through that heat and you know and, and tolerating it, not passing out, right, and just being really scientific about the way you ride. So it, yeah, it was completely different strategy this time. You know, it's funny. I'd love to hear what your mindset is. Having done it now a couple of times, there's a great shot before uh, the 2002 Ram when I did that on the tandem and my partner was a rookie and she's smiling really big right before the start. I look terrified because <laughs> I know what's coming. <laughs> That's true. None of them are the same. And None it's, of them uh, are the same, yeah. What, uh, I mean, obviously this year it was the heat, but uh, anything happen along the way that you just were totally caught off guard by? Well, I mean, of course the finish was uh, was terrifying, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, the, the miles before the finish when my body just kind of just shut down, right? But aside from that little episode, and I think that was just because of the heat and low electrolytes and you're just exhausted and your body says, you know, screw you, I'm not going another another mile, right, you know, which I think is like normal for every anybody, right? But in all honesty, everything was pretty, you know, smooth. I didn't have any real issues with like really bad swelling or stomach upset um, or bad cramping or anything like that. I mean, everything was really, it was pretty darn good i can't complain almost almost next to perfect right it was just like as i said it's surviving those kind of temperatures not only in the day but at nighttime as well what were some things that you changed up this year did you stay with the same diet did you stay with the same sleep plan and i really want to get into your sleep because uh of the heat i'd love to know if you you know went down in the afternoon when it was at its hottest although it didn't cool off at night so what's it matter <laughs> the problem is I just can't. I'm not kind of rider who didn't want to say, okay, you can go to sleep, I'll go to sleep, right? I won't fall asleep unless I'm super exhausted, right? So, you know, taking me off the bike during the day, um, it would have been a waste of time. You know what I'm saying? Because so, I would have just lied there listening you know, out there at the ceiling or whatever. So, I mean, the, the, the only thing we can do is just keeping my core cool and cooling me down with ice and water and fluids, you know. Sometimes I have to go into the car for a little, you know, just like five minutes just for a little bit of air conditioning, right? Um, and the biggest change I'm going to say is, is the sleep pattern is 
you know, in 2019, we kind of cut my sleep a little bit too early, like giving me down 90 minutes, like this, the, I think it was the third or the second day. Um, and then it just adds up. It just catches up with you at the end where you're taking more naps, you know, during your ride, which is not productive either. So we just stuck to our plan of three hours, three hours, three hours for the first half. And then the last quarter of the race, we, we cut down my sleep to about 90 minutes. Do you think that contributed at all to the uh, issues you were having at the finish? You know, um, I, I think it wouldn't have mattered if I slept 10 hours. <laughs> it, was just the, it was just the, it was the damn heat. But even going through cans, I remember feeling really overheated and you could feel my skin was burning. I was swollen. I got blisters, you know, you carry through. And even I remember to the last, like, 300 or 200 miles, I should say, it was really hard. I, I was, again, I couldn't eat, I couldn't drink, I was hot, you know what I mean? You just want to get to the finish line, so you kind of ignore your nutrition and your fluids and your electrolyte tablets and whatnot, right? So, you know, I think it's just a combination of everything that happened at the finish, and it, it probably could happen to anybody. I mean, even, I mean, Eric, he ended up in the hospital, I think, you know, going through the desert because you have to get an IV. He was so dehydrated. You know, so all of us did go through hell, that's for sure. So how did your crew handle it? Because, I mean, in Raw, we had, uh, when I went into the hospital to get a couple of IV bags, we had a crew member who was coming down with heat exhaustion. Well, my crew member, we're on an air-conditioned car. And then I'm also thinking that this was a lot more work on your crew because you know, when the temperatures are kind of normal, you can sit in the car a whole lot longer because the rider doesn't need quite as much support. Um, but in another way, then, I mean, you are getting a lot more support and a lot more attention. So in ways that can be better for the rider. But was your crew uh, more tired this go around than they have been in the past because of the extra time they had to spend outside? I think it was more stressful for sure because not only just taking care of me, but also you know the they, everywhere ran out of ice. I mean, I think even some riders couldn't couldn't find ice, so they had to go to like way off course or different you know a different community or whatever um, throughout the race to find things to keep me cool. So yeah, I think for sure under those conditions, it's it's more stressful for the crew. But any which way, I mean, it doesn't matter. Even if it is perfect conditions. You know, what the crew does is amazing. It's like, you know, without without a proper crew, you're not going anywhere. And, you know, hats off to them. Honestly, I think my job is a heck of a lot easier than their job. That's why I never threw. <laughs> it's too difficult. <laughs> so, one, I'd love to hear what your sleep breaks were like. What was it? Did you signal to your crew and say, I'm ready to go down? Did you have a set time? How did those work, and how were you efficient during that three-hour break and then 90-minute break? Um, I think, well, I read, wrote the first, I think, 38 or 40 hours straight, um, 
and it was time. I mean, even if I could go more, you know, it does backfire on you if you push yourself a little bit too much. You know, you do have to get on on track, right? Like, I mean, look what Issa, what happened to Issa in 2019, how she just bolted without, I think, she was so sleep-deprived that she had to go down for 24 hours, right, you know? Um, so we didn't want to get into that pattern, so we kind of stuck to our plan. We had a plan, you know, prior to the race that we'll stick to the three hours, you know, after the first 40 hours, and then ride about from 22 to 24 hours, if possible, you know, and then just continue that cycle until the end of the race. And because I was so far behind, you know, um, we just cut it to 90 minutes because we want to at least the minimum do 11 days, right, and kind of keep my lead as well. So that's why we did cut the sleep at the last three days. And then do you take time to shower, wash off, anything like that? Well, you kind of, you rinse off really fast, but as soon as you get off your bike, I mean, you want to be in that bed because every minute counts, right? The clock yep. doesn't stop ticking. So, yeah, you want to rinse off for sure, get all the salt off and muck and whatever, so and keep everything clean. You just feel fresh when you get on back on the bike, and it, it does help mentally, I think. Well, in, in part one, you were saying you dried off so fast that would have been a quick, <laughs> quick change. Exactly. You're good. Now, Leah, I know a lot of people will listen to music, uh, come up with uh, problems to solve, math, things like that. You really stay focused on yourself and the event, correct? Oh, yeah. I know it's funny. A lot of people ask me, what kind of music do I listen to when I train? Nothing. I listen. The only thing I hear when I train is my heartbeat and my heavy breathing, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the only music I listen to. Um, yeah, I know. I find it actually a bit of a distraction. I just like to focus on what I'm doing because um, that's how it is, basically, you know, because you can't always have the luxury of training with music. And I just find that I find I'm more focused if I just stay within myself and don't have any outside stimulation. It just helps you, you know, ride a little bit better and more smooth and more efficient. Now, how do you do that and keep a positive mental uh, talk going with yourself? Because if I'm feeling down and I'm uh, concentrating on what I'm doing, uh, you know, I just find myself going up a climb going, oh my God, George, you really suck. You need to find a new sport. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that, you know, that's the expected, right? You know that, see, doing round that many times, you know your emotions are going to be like a roller coaster, right? You're going to feel like crap for about two hours and you're going to feel elated for about an hour and you're going to get pissed off for about half an hour. So you know it's going to pass, right? <laughs> what I mean? And so you just go by stride. And also, you know, sometimes when you're super exhausted, it's okay kind of just to soft pedal a little bit. You don't always have to go hard, right? So I learned that too. Sometimes it's even, you know, I call it kind of resting riding where you're just kind of easy for about an hour or whatever, even an hour and a half and then you kind of get back into your rhythm but the one thing like you know in 2011 on my very first um round shauna hogan kind of escorted us out because we started as a pack it was an individual and she said to me there's one advice i'm going to give you is whatever you're doing is you stay on the bike everything you can do on the bike you stay on the bike and you keep moving forward even if you're barely moving you stay on the bike and i think that that was the best advice i could ever get I want to talk about the heat a little bit more just because I loved it so much. <laughs> when your tummy shuts down and it's that hot, how were you able to get calories in you? Well, I cannot eat solid foods when I'm hot and, you know, and kind of pushing hard. So, and, we, and I knew that, right? So the first 
first three days. I'm going to say most of the race, <laughs> I'm primarily stuck to a, a, a liquid diet. Like, I'm going to say about from 70 to 75% liquid and the rest was solid. Like, sometimes at night or when the temperatures cool down a little bit or when you're off the bike. But it was, yeah, it was primarily liquid. Because I think, too, you know, your stomach doesn't want to digest. Um, it just working so hard to keep you cool, right? And just you know, I don't know if anyone really feels like eating anything when you're when you're that hot. You just want to drink, right? And eat things that are cool. I did eat a lot of watermelon that was chilled, but that was basically the only solid food that you could call it solids that I ate for the, at least half of the race. And then the other thing I was really thinking about when I saw you at the finish line, uh, the neck and taping your head back. Did the tape bother you in the heat? I mean, even during RAM, if it's comfortable, it's like everything is just so uncomfortable on you. Um, and all I could think about was what did that tape feel like on your back when you were riding in those kind of temperatures? Well, actually, we didn't apply the K-tape because, you know... Oh, you didn't? They shaved me from... No, from ear to ear, I'm, I have no hair. Just the top of my hair, like the top of my head from kind of where the ears are and up, is that's where they took the tensor bandages and braided into my hair and pulled my head back. So nothing's touching my skin. It's actually all just attached to my hair. So opposite, it's actually cooling because I'm, I got no hair in the back, right? You know, so it was excellent. It's not good when it's cold, right? So you have to put like a, a skull cap on. But for the for that for those conditions, it was perfect. So you finished the race. There was a big crowd there. That was so great to have so many people there welcome you in. Were you expecting that? No, I didn't. For me, I remember rolling in and go, "Wow, there's a lot of people here. Something must be going on, right?" I thought there was a concert. Or, I don't know, a big party. And I go, "Damn, this is for me," <laughs> you know. So that's why you kind of see the shock on my face, like right? yeah, you know, there's usually crowds, you know, when you finish um, race across America. But I've never seen anything like that. So it was. It was pretty cool and pretty special. I'll, I'll never forget that for sure. Well, you had a race announcer who really likes you, who was saying, come on, this <laughs> person's coming in. Stay for the finish. I know. <laughs> I know. Lucky there. <laughs> and then what has been the most fun, uh, maybe uh, not most fun, but the most interesting media appearance that you've had since the finish? Oh, my God, I've had a number. I'm going to say probably I had an interview with a Japanese reporter. And he, so I called him, and I didn't understand, like, any of the questions. So I just answered what I thought he was asking me, and it was just, he didn't understand me. I didn't understand him, so I'm kind of interested how the article is going to turn out, right? But it was awesome, though. We were both laughing. We were laughing more than talking than anything else, right? So that's probably the most interesting, but also just like um, the attention I'm getting up, uh, calls from Poland and from the United Kingdom. It's just insane. Like, and news stations and, you know, podcasts everywhere and interviews. So yeah, I've never had this kind of attention before, you know, so it, it is, it is kind of special and super interesting. What's something you've got coming up. That's pretty exciting. Um, well, I have something in L.A. with um, Rich Roll. It's a, uh, another podcast of the United Kingdom next week. I'm on a big Montreal radio station um, uh, uh, again in the first week of uh, August. Yeah, so it's just kind of rolling in, and it's like I said, it's so unexpected, and it's, it's totally awesome. I love it. 
Well, I hope you're really enjoying it. It is extremely well-deserved, and I really appreciate you coming on to my podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. You're the best, George. I'd always be on your podcast. You know that. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Leah Goldstein, congratulations on a great race. Look forward to seeing you in the very near future, and all the best in your upcoming media events. Awesome. Thank you, George, for having me. It was fun. You've been listening to Ram Radio, presented by Over the Top Cycling. From the Over the Top Studios in Nederland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.